0: You are listening to the Teaching Ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. I'm grateful that Andrew... Uh, kicked off two weeks ago a new message series, and actually this summer we're going to be uh, having two message series examining the Ten Commandments. The first of these two series is entitled From the Mountain, which you can see on the screen. And this first series will deal with the first four of the Ten Commandments. And I don't know if you've thought about it. I think Andrew mentioned this in a previous week. But the first four of the Ten Commandments deal with the vertical, our relationship with God. The five through ten deal with our relationships with each other, with other people. And so we're going to break it down in that way with a little intermission in between with a two-week uh, uh, little insert about El Salvador. And, you know, there's uh, if you've been watching the news, El Salvador has been mentioned lately. And, and I think it's pretty timely that we've got a team of us that are going to go down to El Salvador and share with the people that are really hurting in that country some good news. And we're excited about that opportunity. So, But actually, while a number of us are going to be down in El Salvador... um, the lead church planter in, in this mission effort with Lifeline Christian Mission is going to be in the States, and he's actually going to speak here at Southwest the weekend that we're in El Salvador. So that's pretty cool. And so he'll tell you about the work there, and then when we get back, we'll share some updates about what's happening there. And then following that, we'll, we'll continue this series from the ten. Commandments, And we'll be looking at the, then the horizontal, our relationships with other people. But before I get into the particular commandment that we're going to be looking at today, let me just share a few additional thoughts on the Ten Commandments, um, which you can find listed for the first time in the Bible in Exodus 20. Okay, so if you ever want to know where the Ten Commandments are in the Bible, it's Exodus 20. And by the way, I, I know that clearly because uh, before we added on phase two here of the building and before I had an office for years, I studied uh, at Dorothy Lane Market, the mezzanine, or coffee shops, and I would just take my laptop to various places and and read my Bible and read commentaries and have my laptop out and write sermons and, um, but you know, when you sit someplace for hours working on a message, you know, from time to time, nature calls and you got to go to the restroom. And I thought, what am I, am I going to pack up my laptop every time I go to the bathroom? And I decided, no. So what I did was I would pull up Exodus 20 and specifically <laughs> the command that said, thou shalt not steal. Okay. And I would have that blown up in big font on my screen on my laptop when I went to the bathroom. And I thought, you know, someone still might steal my laptop, but they're going to have to deal with God on the way out the door, okay? So that's how I have memorized that it's in Exodus 20, and maybe that'll help you. But a number of years ago, there was a heated debate. Uh, We don't hear much of this debate now. It seems like there's a lot of other... Uh, craziness going on out there in the news, but a number of years ago, there was a heated debate in the, in the public sector about whether or not the Ten Commandments uh, could or should be displayed at government-owned facilities. And although that's not the motivation or focus of this message series, I did think we could learn something from that controversy. Controversy. In fact, I went back and researched, and I recently found a video interview between an individual that was serving in Congress and a late-night TV comedian, which I thought was quite fascinating. The House of Representatives said, the Ten Commandments is not a bad thing for people to understand and to respect. What better place could you have something like that than a judicial building. The comedian responded with a question. Can you think of any better place to put the Ten Commandments? The representative said no. Upon that response, the comedian asked him, well, what are the Ten Commandments? Well, the representative was a bit embarrassed. He said, you mean you want me to name them? And he said, yes. And he stammered and struggled, and he came up with three, and the comedian said, is that it? You can only name three? Well, I'm curious, how many could you name? Well, honestly, our goal of this series is not for you to have them memorized, okay, although I don't think that would be a bad thing. Our goal of this series is not to encourage you to erect a monument on your yard with the Ten Commandments or for us to do that outside our church building. But I hope that during this series that we will really struggle with and wrestle with the question, is there a better location to place the Ten Commandments? Maybe the better place for us to place the Ten Commandments is to internalize them in our hearts. And for us to really grasp the meaning and the significance of each commandment and what is it that God was seeking to communicate to his people in the Old Testament and what we can learn from them as well today. In the first Week of this series, Andrew explained the backdrop from Exodus 19, which I'm so glad he did that, which gives us the context that God was inviting Israel into a covenantal relationship. And that the Ten Commandments, or they're more literally described as the Decalogue, okay, now you maybe have never heard that word, Decalogue, which it really in its original language means ten words. Now, this was actually a gift from God, inviting the people of Israel, as, as Andrew pointed out, into a marriage covenantal relationship, with you, as, if you will, with God. In fact, I wonder if our understanding and approach of the Ten Commandments would change if we described it as ten words of love from our Creator. You see, that's how I really believe we should read and understand the Ten Commandments. So two weeks ago, Andrew explained that the first word or command from God was that he wanted us to worship him exclusively, that we are to have no other gods. Now, that's a good thing. You know, when 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 Jay and I got married, I wanted that relationship to be exclusive, you know? And, and she wanted me to understand. It's an exclusive relationship, you know, that we, uh, we put each other first before all others. That's what God's inviting us into, a relationship where we put Him first and foremost in our hearts and lives. The second word of the Ten Commandments, which is the, that we described as small gods, to not allow idols to pop up into our lives. that would steal our heart from God. Today we'll focus on the third word or command from God, which is to call us to honor and revere God and His name. In Exodus 20 verse 7, in the New Living Translation, this is how it reads, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse His name. Or a wording that you might be more familiar with that's found in translations like the New American Standard Bible, which simply reads, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does that mean? What does it mean to not take the name of the Lord your God in vain? Well, to help answer that question, let's take a look at another place in the Bible that the Ten Commandments are found. You can also find them in Deuteronomy chapter 5. But in Deuteronomy, we also find that that these commands are elaborated and and explained a little bit more clearly. The the book of Deuteronomy, which literally means a copy or second telling of the commands that God had previously given to the Israelites. Now, the, the significance of this was that the people of Israel were ready to go into the promised land. And so right before Moses dies, the book of Deuteronomy is Moses repeating to the people, the new generation of people, the commands of God that were delivered in the past. These commands that that God wanted the Israelites to store up in their hearts when they went into the promised land. And so in Deuteronomy 5, verse 11, we find this third commandment repeated. And we find it, again, in the New Living Translation, it reads, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Today we want to apply this command from two vantage points. The first vantage point is we want to give a number of obvious ways that we can maybe some not so obvious, ways that we can use the name of the Lord in vain. Now, our title of this weekend's message is simply G.D. Now, maybe you figured out what that represents. For most of us, we understand that's an abbreviation of a very clear misuse of the name of the Lord. In fact, as I listen to people talk in their everyday conversation, I've even heard people use that phrase directed toward other people. In fact, in my lifetime, I've even had people use that phrase, GDU, talking to me. And whenever anybody uses that phrase, I, I, I think to myself, do they really understand what they're saying? Do they really mean what they're saying? Do they really want... That person, and if it's directed toward me, do they really want me to be separated from a loving God forever in eternity? I mean, is that what they really want? Do they really want that person to be condemned and to face torment and to be separated from God forever? I don't think most people probably mean that, although maybe some have really meant that. But you see, we need to be careful with the words that we use. Now, that's a pretty obvious misuse of the name of the Lord. And yet, I also hear more subtle ways that people flippantly use the name of God. Maybe you've heard the phrase, OMG. Maybe some of you even say that, oh my God. Or some will say, Lordy, Lordy. Now, I think it's perfectly fine to say, oh, my God, if you're crying out to God in prayer and saying, oh, my God, please change me. Please bless someone else. Please deliver someone from a challenge they're facing. I think it's perfectly fine. But, of course, that's not how most people use that phrase, is it? And I think, unfortunately, it's, it's in the culture. We hear it on TV. We hear it from people around us. And if we're not careful, we can say these words flippantly without really thinking about how are we using God's name. Now, my goal this weekend is not to make everybody feel guilty about the way you talk or just to simply scrutinize your language. And yet I do want to ask, Are you simply following the cues of the culture around us? Or are you, am I really thinking about how we are honoring or possibly dishonoring the Lord with our speech? Bottom line, I think it's a matter of respect. And I think that's what this third commandment's really getting at. Do we really respect and revere the God who created us? And we're going to develop that a little bit more in a few minutes. And yet I want to give a, a brief example of how I think that, that using the, the, the Lord's name in vain is really a matter an issue of respect. And I, I want to give an illustration from my recent trip to Texas. You know, people ask me, how was your trip? Well, this is what I've been answering. My time in Texas was great. It was just the getting there and getting back that was tough, okay? Um, I won't go into all the details about getting there. Let me just put it this way. My clothes got there a couple of days after I did. Okay? So that was a that was the first part of the trip there, okay? On on the way back, by the way, I don't want to mention the name of my airline that I traveled because I don't want to do anything dishonoring, but it was an American airline. Oh, it was, maybe it slipped out. But um anyways, on the way back, uh, Abilene, where Abilene Christian University is a a small town, and and, uh, there was only one uh, carrier that flew in. There's only a couple flights out. Well, my flight out of Abilene was delayed by two hours uh, for mechanical failure. I think it's a bad sign when you see the plane you're supposed to get on, be towed away, okay? I think that's a bad sign. Well, needless to say, when we're waiting two hours for our flight, most of us were getting a connection flight in Dallas. And as you can imagine, most of us started realizing we were going to miss our connection flight. And so the whole terminal was full of people on their phones trying to figure out the other flights they could take. There was a long line at the, at the desk. Uh, by the way, I would never want to work for an airline, okay? The, that desk area where you receive complaints. And there was a long line of people waiting to talk to see if we could get flights changed. The lady behind me was crying hysterically. The lady in front of me, uh, well, I would say that she talked like a sailor, but I found out later she's with more, has an experience with the Air Force. But anyways, uh um, she cussed out the, the lady at the terminal. Of course, I know I'm going to speak this weekend on don't use the Lord's name in vain. I'm thinking I'm getting good sermon material here, okay? And so she's, she's cussing up a storm and using every word you can imagine, and, and I'm next in line, and she says next, and I went, I just want to let you know I don't envy your job at all. That was my first words to her. Well, as things worked out, that lady that gave the person at the front desk a cussing out, she ended up being a nurse from Cincinnati. I hope she's not listening to this. But anyways, uh, and we found out that we had this similar uh, travel schedule. And so, uh, it so it so ended up that we were both put up, and uh, along with another individual on that flight, at Motel 6 in Dallas near the airport that night. And so we took the shuttle from the uh, airport to the motel, and then we took the shuttle 4.50 the next morning back to the airport. And um, while we're standing out waiting for the shuttle, there's a, a gentleman, myself, and this lady, and she's still cussing, okay? It's been a couple, three hours. She's not calmed down yet. And uh, then there came that awkward moment as we're chit-chatting out waiting for the shuttle. And she said, "So what do you do in Dayton?" I said, "Well, I'm a minister with the church." "Oh, I have a friend that's a minister, you know." Okay, we spent another hour together waiting for the shuttle, getting the shuttle to the airport. Got up the next morning. We took the shuttle back. I spent probably two more hours. I never heard her say another cuss word again. Why? I didn't really want to play the pastor card. I didn't pull out Exodus 20 verse 7. I didn't preach at her. I think I think maybe, just maybe, maybe because she had a friend that was a minister, there was some respect there. And she realized that her language wasn't very respectful and it wasn't very God-honoring. And you see, there was this miraculous change. You see, the question for each of us is not simply how do we speak when we're around each other in church settings or on Sunday morning. The question is, how do we speak Monday through Saturday? How do we speak and how do we talk when we're at work, when we're at school, when we're at the ball game or at the field or at the gym or when we're at the complaint line at the airport? You see, as followers of Jesus, our faith in God should be reflected by the way we act and the way we speak. The New Testament writer James said this in James 3, With the tongues we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? You see, how does your speech through the week either honor God or dishonor God? Can you praise God in these wonderful praise songs we sing on Sunday morning and then speak in a totally irreverent way the rest of the week? James says that shouldn't be. You shouldn't have praise and cursing coming from the same lips. Jesus addressed our speech and the way that we use or misuse the name of the Lord from another angle in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, when you examine the teachings of Jesus, it's really fascinating to find out how often he quoted from Deuteronomy, how often he quoted from the commands of God. And I believe that what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount and so many of his other teachings is he's taking these commands of God from the Old Testament, and he's teaching us to internalize them in our hearts and in our daily lives. Regarding our speech, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say, by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say, by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. We've all heard people say, I swear to God, I'm telling you the truth. Jesus says, if you're a person of integrity, you don't need to ever do that. Simply your yes, be yes, or your no, be no. In fact, I don't know about you, but when I'm talking to someone and they say to me, I swear to God, I'm telling you the truth, I'm thinking, well, is everything else you've told me up to this point not true?" You see, Jesus says, you should be a person of integrity. that people can count on your words. Now, one more practical way that in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus points out that we can use the name of the Lord in vain is when we try to use God talk to our advantage, whether it be to win an argument, to further your business, to enhance your finances, or to improve your stature in the eyes of others. Jesus warned against giving, doing good deeds, fasting, or even praying in God's name with impure motives. As he pointed out in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their Reward in full. Jesus said, These folks are praying in vain because they're doing it for selfish gain. They're doing it to receive praise from others. They're doing it in such a way to make themselves look better. And Jesus says, If that's the way you pray, you've already received your reward in full. So the first application today of this third commandment or this third word found in Exodus 20 is to make sure that we aren't literally using the name of the Lord in vain or that we haven't fallen into the pattern of speech in such a way that dishonors God instead of honoring him. In our second and final application of this weekend, we want to get at the idea of respect. What does it mean to really respect and revere the authority of the the name of God. And by the way, that's what the name, you know, when we we baptize in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's a formula. I think that's saying that we baptize because of the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the ancient world, when somebody was sent as a messenger in the name of the person who sent them, they were being sent with all the authority that that person has, And so you see, when we think about the name of the Lord, we're thinking about his authority. Are we honoring it? Well, as we pointed out earlier, Deuteronomy is the retelling of the commands or words of God that were used earlier in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And back to Deuteronomy 5, we read the initial response the people as they hear the retelling of the Ten Commandments by Moses. Listen to their response in, in Deuteronomy 5, verse 22. It says, The Lord spoke these words to all of you assembled there at the foot of the mountain. He spoke with a loud voice from the heart of the fire, surrounded by clouds and deep darkness. This was all he said at that time, and he wrote his words on two stone tablets and gave them to me. But when you, Moses is talking to the people, but when you heard the voice from the heart of the darkness, while the mountain was blazing with fire, all your tribal leaders and elders came to me. They said, look, the Lord our God has shown us His glory and greatness, and we have heard His voice from the heart of the fire. You know, this series is entitled, From the Mountain." I don't know how you read scripture, but when I read scripture, I try to imagine what it would have been like to have been back in those times. And I've tried to imagine what would it have been like to have been at the foot of the mountain, Mount Sinai, when Moses was up there receiving the Ten Commandments, when that mountain was surrounded with dark clouds and and I wonder what would it have felt like then to have Moses come down the mountain changed, transformed by God and him deliver those teachings from God. Man, what a thrill that must have been. How exciting and how how humbled you would have been to to, to hear that. You know, I, I, I think about these things, and a number of weeks ago, I I was here at the church building on a Saturday morning and I was just praying and I was just walking in the, this room and sitting up here on this, well, not this stage, but the stage that used to be here. And and I was just praying and and saying, God, I just want your glory to be seen through the life of this church. I want you to be honored. I want you to be glorified. And I just... I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes I'll start praying about things and I just kind of get caught up and I go off on a tangent. I was just praying for God's glory to be seen through my life and through the life of this church. And I really kind of got carried away and I went, wow, that was pretty cool. And, And then I went on with my day and then later that day I left the building and as I got to my car, I looked back at the church building and this was what I saw and i thought back to that prayer i prayed earlier in the day and i mean I, it just brought me back to what it would have been like and i just kind of felt like there was this cloud covering the church building and some might say it was a dark cloud but i thought it was it was glorious i thought it was awesome it was incredible and i just thought man you know and i uh, some of you might say well that's just a coincidence but you know when i see things like that happen i just it, it spoke encouragement into my heart and i thought God, you are showing your glory through the life of this church. And it inspired me and motivated me to continue to seek God's glory in everything that we do here at Southwest. You see, in these Old Testament settings, we see over and over again, the people of God being in awe of the power and the presence of the Almighty. And as a result, the people were in awe of God, and it says that they feared God, that they revered him. Now, sometimes when we use that word fear, people think, okay, are we to be afraid of God? I, I don't think it's a uh, being afraid like afraid to approach him. I think it's a fear of just being so in awe of how awesome and wonderful he is that you're just humbled by it and that you honor God, you're impressed with him and his glory and his authority and that you humbly say, I want to just obey whatever God wants to say into my life. So the people of Israel respond by saying in verse 27 to Moses, go yourself and listen to what the Lord our God says. Then come and tell us everything he tells you and we will listen and obey This is one of the better moments in Israel's history. Here was the Lord's response as he was described by Moses. In verse 28, the Lord heard the request you made to me and he said, I've heard what the people said to you and they are right. Oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that they might fear me and obey all my commands. If they did they and their descendants would prosper forever. What do you see? I see a God who longs to bless our lives. I see a God who longs to be at work in our lives and bring good things into our life. And God is just saying, God, just trust me. Just respect me. Just honor me. Respect my name. And I will bless your life in ways that you can't imagine. If we begin to view the Ten Commandments not as God trying to limit us or restrict us, but instead to guide us, to protect us, and ensure that we are on the right path, I think we will begin to embrace these teachings in our heart. In the Old Testament, the actual name of God was written in Scripture as a four-letter tetragrammaton, and if you don't have to worry about repeating that, but it's the four letters in English, it was originally written in Hebrew, that we would translate Y-H-W-H. We believe it was pronounced Yahweh, but we don't really know for sure because the Israelites consider the name of the Lord so holy that they came up with another word, Adonai, which means Lord, to represent Yahweh. In fact, in in the Old Testament, every time you see the word Lord capitalized, that's the actual name of God. Later, when the scribes were writing and rewriting, you know, because they didn't have copiers and printing presses, so they had to write it all by hand, whenever scribes would write the name of the Lord, Yahweh, this is what they would do. Before they would write the name Yahweh, they would get up and wash their hands And then they'd write that four-letter Hebrew word. Then they'd get back up and wash their hands again before they go on. Why did they do such meticulous hand-washing? It's because they really honored the name of the Lord. You see, some of us have gotten so far from that. And we use God's name so flippantly. Let's make sure we get back to, respect the, uh, to restore the respect, the honor, and the reverence that God in his name deserves. When we get to Deuteronomy 6, the, the, the reminder is for the people to impress upon the next generation how important it is to fear the Lord, to revere him, to respect him, to honor him. Parents, this is the most important thing that we can do in our job as parents or grandparents, is to pass on the next generation and to the next generation the importance of revering and honoring the Lord God Almighty. If I had a do-over and was able to go back to those early days when my kids were young, I would have impressed upon them so much more how awesome God is and how worthy He is of their worship and how they need to consider the Lord in their speech and their actions and their decisions. Because, you know, if they get that right, they're going to figure out the other important things of life. Later in Deuteronomy 10, Moses is instructed by God to place these Ten Commandments, which are written on stone tablets, inside the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I want to make a parallel here. The Ark of the Covenant was this specially designed decorated box which contained a number of things, but one thing it contained was the Ten Commandments as a reminder of God's guidance for his people. Later, when the temple in Jerusalem was built, they were instructed to place the Ark containing the Ten Commandments written in stone at the very heart of the temple in the most holy place. Why did God do all that? God did that to help remind the people of Israel of his love for them, of his invitation to them, to a covenantal relationship where they would take his lead in their life. And let's fast forward to now after the cross. Since followers of Jesus Christ are described as the temple of God's spirit, let's make sure that we learn the focus of these commands internalized in our hearts. Again, I'm not about trying to encourage you to go put up a monument or a sign, putting up the Ten Commandments, but I am asking you, will you internalize them? Will you make sure that they are placed in your heart? Listen to how in Deuteronomy 10, how we see... God's desire for the people of Israel as it was described in verses 12 and 13 of Deuteronomy 10. This will be our last passage. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. We worship a good God who wants to guide us into a life of peace and hope and meaning. The question is, do we revere him and respect him to follow his teachings? In the Old Testament, God used the reminder of the Ark of the Covenant in the temple to remind the people of Israel of his presence. On this side of the cross, we've been given the gift of the Lord's Supper to remind us of God's love and our call to a covenantal relationship. Now here's the question. Are we responding with humble, obedient hearts? During this time of observing the Lord's Supper, let's be thankful for God's direction in our life. Let's humbly acknowledge to God any way that we have used his name in vain. That we've used his name to honor ourselves instead of honoring him. And help us during this time, let's make sure that we focus on all that God did so that we could have a covenant relationship with him. He sent his son. We take the bread, we're reminded of his body. We take the cup, we're reminded of his blood. That's how far God went to have a relationship with us. That's how far Jesus went. The question is, how are we responding to that love? Is it with humility? Or is it a heart that seeks to honor him? Think about that. And let's make sure we don't do this in vain by examining our hearts. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you We thank you for how your word is so powerful. We thank you for how you have a plan and how you worked a plan throughout history to call us into relationship with you. You did that with the people of Israel and you do that with us through Jesus Christ. Help us during this time of communion to reflect on what great lengths you've gone to show us your love. Help us as we take the bread to remember his body. As we take the cup to remember his love and the sacrifice, even of shedding blood. And help us as your word tells us to do to examine our hearts. Father, have we been too full of ourselves? Have we been too impressed with our wisdom? Or have we humbly acknowledged your presence in ourselves? and your guidance from your word. Help us, Father, to honor you and your name and your authority, not just in this time of worship, but in this week ahead. It's in Jesus' name that we honor and lift up, that we pray.